Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I am Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Monday, November 7th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, why Virginia matters. Number two, Kevin McCarthy continues to hoover up campaign cash. And number three, Rick Scott leaves open a challenge to Mitch McConnell. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Our very own Max Cohen continuing to be on the campaign trail, um, crisscrossing the state of Virginia over the past week. Obviously, tomorrow is Election Day. Um, but it's really interesting to see what Max has his reporting has uh, has turned up because there's three races, the Elaine Luria race, the Abigail Spanberger race and the Jennifer Wexton race. Um, and, and, and what it means in terms of kind of that meta, it's going to be really an early potential sign to see how tough of a night it is going to be for Democrats. Yes. First of all, I like the uh, Hoover up on the Kevin McCarthy <laughs> campaign catch. I was stuck on that for a minute. Um, Welcome back okay. to, the, to the first story. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. OK. Let's get back to back to reality here. Um, Max makes a really good point here, which I thought was interesting and um, somewhat unique. I, maybe maybe other people have said this, but I think it's a good way to to look at these three races in Virginia. Um he writes that the three seats will offer key insights. At a minimum, Republicans are expected to flip Luria's seat. Now, this is my note, which is that Luria's seat is that Virginia uh, beach-based district that Luria won a very heavy military Norfolk, Norfolk and Virginia Beach. Um, and uh, the defeat of Luria and Spanberger would meet a significant GOP cushion. Now, Spanberger is she used to that used to be Eric Cantor's seat outside of Richmond. It has moved a little bit. It now is like the exurbs of DC and the ex and the outer reaches of Richmond. So kind of the middle middle-ish part of the state, I guess, is the best way to do it. But losses by all three incumbents, that would be Jennifer Wexton, who represents the um northern, basically the northern Virginia exurbs, I believe. Um I think that's what you would call it, although my geography in Virginia might not be as good as, as some other um, uh, uh, folks in the uh, in the Commonwealth. But anyway, it's the northern Virginia excerpts, which includes like Loudoun and, and Frederick counties uh, up into the West Virginia border. She is running against Hung Cow, a uh, Navy veteran. And if she, if all three of them won, that would probably mean Republicans are having a pretty good night. Um, so. Uh, Virginia competitive once again, uh, obviously just elected a Republican governor in 2021, Glenn Youngkin. Um, and uh, you, the good thing about Virginia um, for reporters, this is a personal issue, uh, is that the results come in pretty early and you should have a good sense of of how things are going at the early part of the night. Now, listen, this is an imperfect science in the sense that like all these three could win, lose or get mixed. And that could mean nothing for the House of Representatives for the, the rest of the races of the House. But the theory kind of is um, these races fall and rise together. If a bunch of Democrats are losing, it's kind of like a domino effect. Now, no one's looking toward Virginia to figure out how to vote. But anyway, that's how we that's how we yeah. view it. Thoughts, Anna? Yeah, I think the other thing to think about, I think there's two things. One, Glenn Youngkin, 
obviously, uh, you know, recently elected governor, surprised a lot of people winning that race. He has been all over, Jake, campaigning uh, across the state, trying to help Republicans uh, have a good night in that state. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is a lot of these campaigns on the on the right have really kind of um, used the same playbook that Youngkin did uh, to win the governor's uh, race. And it's a theme on parental rights, COVID angst. Um, these were things that were central to that governor's race. And all of the Republicans uh, in those three races are also, you know, kind of trying to hit on that as much as possible while uh, the Democrats are, are talking about a lot of different things. But I'm um, going to be interesting to see how salient that point is when it comes to uh, voting day. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning, Jake. Uh, we'll get to this hoovering of uh, Kevin McCarthy. Man, he is just really vacuuming up money across the country. Uh, we've got some news here in this item that you wrote. Um, but the McCarthy money machine taking in a total of $500 million. That is a lot of cash for a midterm um, and also for a lawmaker who's not even the speaker of the house yet yeah so let's break this down uh he raised in in hard dollars that means disclosed contributions to his political committees 150 million dollars just north of that that includes take back the house mccarthy victory and mccarthy for congress so those are these kind of uh PACs and political entities that he controls that he funnels money from there to the nrcc and to candidates clf and AAN, Congressional Leadership Fund and the American Action Network, are the pair of outside groups which are part of the McCarthy political machine. They brought in $342 million. 260.3 of that is disclosed in CLF. The other, the remaining, I guess, you know, $80 million or whatever that would be, um, is, uh, yeah, $82 million is. Uh, to AAN, that is a related nonprofit which has does not disclose its donors and does not and has some more restrictions on how what kind of ads it could run. So, um, a lot of dough. Uh, uh, we also detail some of the people who are um, uh, part of the McCarthy political orbit. Jeff Miller, uh, big lobbyist in Washington, one of McCarthy's oldest friends, uh, has raised tens of millions of dollars two uh for clf dan constant who runs clf and aan and um lauren bryan who is mccarthy's national finance director who has to keep all these trains running um anna what say you yeah no i mean i think it's just a, a super interesting look under the hood of where we've been saying for weeks now that you know this is what mccarthy's been focused on right making sure that republicans have the resources to be uh, competitive. We've talked a ton about just the the Republican cash advantage in the House over Democrats, and a lot of that is uh, thanks to Kevin McCarthy and his just kind of ability and willingness, frankly, to 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 raise money in all corners of this country. Um, One hundred seventy two days on the road this this past year. That is a lot. Um, you know, in August, since August, McCarthy's been in 39 states. So just kind of uh, shows, showcases the amount of time, effort uh, that he is doing what he can to put Republicans uh, over the top. 
Let's move on to the number three story of the morning, Jake. Uh, really uh, an interesting item here. Uh, the the rift between NRSC Chair Rick Scott and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell continuing to flare uh, with Rick Scott going on Meet the Press yesterday and leaving open the possibility of challenging McConnell for GOP leader. Uh, hard to see him be successful in that effort, but notable just days before the election that 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 he was uh, unwilling to tamp down any speculation about whether or not he was interested in that job. Yeah, is it weird for uh, someone in the in your on your leadership team to leave open the possibility that they're going to challenge you? That doesn't seem that weird to me. Actually, it seems super weird to me. Um uh listen, Scott and McConnell have been feuding this entire Congress. Um they they you know, we can go over all these things, but they don't see eye to eye on, on practically anything, it doesn't seem. Meaning, uh, McC- uh, Scott released a policy proposal that then McConnell basically said, this is not our policy proposal. I run the Senate. Thank you very much. Um, af- after that, uh, uh, they disagreed on kind of the uh, McConnell. I asked McConnell if Rick Scott should put in some money of his from his own pocket to backfill the donations that weren't coming in at the NRSC. McConnell said, that sounds like an interesting idea. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, and, you know, and then this, Scott, I mean, if you asked Tom Emmer if he was going to challenge Kevin McCarthy, he'd be like, no, I'm not. Or if you asked Sean Patrick Maloney if he was, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different there. But anyway, point is, this is just not what you do, uh, especially two days before the election. You don't say that I might I, I, I might take try to take McConnell out. Now, I don't know. A lot of people think different things. Some people think Scott could get the low double digits against McConnell. I am doubtful of that. Um McConnell will be the longest serving Senate leader uh, uh, in this con- in this Congress. He'll pass that that benchmark. So, you know, Anna, I that is my um, I th- I don't know what Rick Scott does. I think McConnell would beat him. Um, uh, you know, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, womp womp. All right. On that note, uh, we have uh, a new event. Uh, you can join us on Tuesday, November 29th at 9 a.m. for a virtual one-on-one conversation with outgoing Senator Roy Blunt, the Republican from Missouri. We're going to talk to him about the future of democracy, voting rights reform, and a ton more uh, as he looks back over his career, what he's learned, uh, how the Senate has changed, and a lot more. Uh, So go to our events hub. You can also subscribe to our free morning newsletter. Get this, what we talk about uh, in the Daily Punch every day, plus more by going to punchbowl.news and signing up for that. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a great day and stay safe.